When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Conduits of Trouble Time, Zolgad and Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune sports columnist, who I saw out at the Vikings minicamp this week. And Chip, we're so good. We are so good that you give Zim a three-day camp and he says, I'll cut it down to two. That's how confident I am in my club. Is this a new and improved Zim? <laughs> just cancel a day off? I know. Wow. I know. Just give them a release them in into the last month where they have complete freedom. Yes. Um. <laughs> in fact, I just wrote about this for our website, scorenorth.com. Uh, I liked from what I saw at, at the camp, and I am <laughs> not making any assumptions. Like I know that it's it's non-contact and all that, but just from an attitude standpoint. There have been times, even in June OTAs before that, that the Vikings and Zim in particular have felt uptight, like things aren't working and Zim starts yelling and that they felt uptight. Um, In going for the two days to the uh, to TCO to watch the mini camp, I liked what I saw. It felt pretty relaxed and like they got work done, but there wasn't a lot of angst. And I'm curious to see if that translates to training camp, because there's going to be pressure. I mean, this should be a good team. I think that shows you, as I wrote in my column after the first day, that the head coach is in hog heaven right now. (laughs) He got everything. Well, maybe not everything he wanted, but he probably looks at that defense and and even said it when he talked on, was it Wednesday? He said, it's going to look a lot different than what you saw last year. And just, John, look at the new faces. I went back and added up, and I was texting you about it. 11 free agent signings on defense alone, and 12 if you count Pierce, who didn't play last year. Think about that. In one offseason. Now, I don't know that they're all going to make the team, but um, when you do that and you bring back Hunter, and I'm sure he's relieved that that thing's over, right? You can't tell me that privately that didn't weigh on him some, like, okay, where is this headed? How's this going to get resolved? And to get that resolved and to get Barr to come back, who I had someone tell me that his absence, last year was probably greater than we give him credit for. And I think a lot of people, you know, you look at his career and wonder if, if, if it was as good as it could have been or, um, you know, kind of the level he reached. You know, he's how many years of Pro Bowl. But um, that he is just such a smart uh, player who who's gets everybody in the right spot and makes the right calls that his, his absence was uh, internally – very much felt. So I think getting him back, getting Hunter back, and 
you know, Kendrick's feeling healthy. <clears throat> and then you add a bunch of veterans, which we know Zim loves veteran on his defense. Yes. He's probably just in a good mood. He's like, okay, my defense is fixed. Yes. Now they still have to show it, and Hunter has to show he's healthy. But I think he feels really good about where his his uh, defense is, and he probably feels uh, a lot better about his offensive line. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And that's the thing, though, with Mike. I think that the fact that the defense is is um, so changed and likely improved changes him completely. The question then becomes, of course, once the bullets start to fly and the team starts playing games, yeah. is where's the offense at? Is Clint Kubiak, do, does he have more freedom or actually change things from what his dad, and by an extension of his dad, I mean Zimmer wanted done? I, I mean, there's a lot of things I'm still curious about, but I will say this. From what they've done, I think they're positioned to be a pretty damn good team. And if Aaron Rodgers is not going to play for the Packers, they are going to open training camp as the clear-cut favorites, in my opinion, to win the division. And there's going to be pressure that goes with that. And that's where I that's where I want to see how Zim, once that expectation is there, how Zim does with that. Because there have been times I feel like he grapples with pressure and he hates it. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is, the reality is, to be as successful as the Vikings should be, there should be pressure, and you have to be able to handle it. Yeah, and I, and I agree. I feel like there's times where he's raised the temperature instead of lower it in those situations, right, to where it almost permeates his locker room where guys are uptight. Um, we've seen it at different spots. I, I go back to that, that Bears game a couple of years ago. That team looked up when Cousins had the meltdown on the sideline. Yeah. <clears throat> that felt like an uptight team that day to me. Yes. Because of the pressure of everything, and um, and yeah, there's there's absolutely going to be pressure because I think most people expect this team to get in the playoffs and, and do more than get there, you know, win a game. Um, and I agree, if Rodgers drags this thing out and doesn't play, then, then I think the the Vikings definitely become, you know, kind of the team. Um, although some might say the Bears, but I, I think the Vikings. When you look at all the stuff that they've done defense, and I, I was thinking about this <clears throat> defensively, Jim. Think about the starting lineup they had on defense the last couple weeks mm-hmm. versus the season opener this year. How many different starters they'll have? Like the entire defensive line will be new, right? That's four. Yep. Barr and Kendricks. Yep, they were out. They're out. I think your I think your secondary your starters are going to be Breland, mm-hmm. uh, Peterson, McKenzie Alexander as your nickel, uh, and then Woods and, and Smith. So. Uh, would would Harrison be the only yes. returning starter on that? That's correct. Or, yeah, yep. yeah, correct. ten new starters potentially. I know. I know. I mean, when do you ever see that? <laughs> because of, I still think that it largely comes down to the Saints game. That yep. was such a debacle, and, and the the problem with that game was not Breeze's passing. It was they got so embarrassed in the run game. And here's so here's the thing, okay. The linebacker core that was out was going to come back. At least Kendricks was. Barr was iffy at the time. But the fact is they had backups there, and that was bad. The place that I really think, and it's why why they brought in Dalvin Tomlinson to pair with Pierce, who opted out but had been signed in March of 2020, uh, that defensive line, the interior of the defensive line last year, was inexcusable, and why they ever thought they could shortcut it and have Shamar Stefan start? Yeah, I'll never get because I know Pierce surprised him and didn't play, 
But Chip, they re-signed Shamar Stefan like he should play, and it's like okay, situationally maybe sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but but the the two dumbest things that they did that they have now fixed were Shamar Stefan and the whole thought process that they could get by with an interior defensive line that didn't have two pretty damn good players. And then the second thing was the young corners, which none of mm-hmm. us got, and I never will get. Dantzler and Gladney were put in positions to fail, and not surprisingly, they did. They have now fixed that. Well, it's funny, you know, for Zim to come out later in the season and basically said he miscalculated that entire secondary thing, and that's not typically how he goes about business, right? He he typically brings those young defensive backs along slowly and make him sort of earn it, but last year he just threw them right into the mix and said, well, we'll figure it out, and that was a – it blew up on him. Um Completely, and, and I, I think a lot of people, even on first guess last year, I know we were saying, sign a veteran. You yes. need more veterans, and you can't have this many young guys. And um, so now they've gone back and signed every veteran available. What <laughs> like uh, I was looking at it, had one, two, three, seven, seven defensive backs uh, free agent. Uh-huh. Um, so they they corrected that. Now what, you, you're not going to hit 100 percent on all of them, right? Some of these guys are are not going to be what you thought they were. Um, the one I'm curious about is Peterson and kind of what level he's going to play at. Um, you know, is he a guy on the down slope? Was last you just hit it, my man. We're on the same. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. You know, now, he, now Zim said the right thing, that he's wants to be coached and he feels like this is a kind of a pivot point in his career and he can kind of revitalize himself with, with Zim's to, um, you know, tutoring him and helping him. We'll see. I mean, you know, he seems pretty motivated, right? Uh, Peterson to have a great year. So, but I, yeah, I liked what they've done on defense. Um, it sounds like, you know, Hunter didn't do a whole lot or really. No, anything. he didn't do yeah. He didn't do anything. He was off so to the side. We don't know. And even, I mean, how much is he going to do in training camp, Judd? I mean, that's that's to be we don't know, you know. Yep. Um, and he wouldn't address anything about his health or his contract. <laughs> so that was a that was a was it awkward? Is that the right word for that press conference? It was unco- he it was uncomfortable because he badly did not want to be doing it. He so badly did yeah. not want to be doing it. Yeah, and he he clearly was not going to talk about what exactly happened on his injury or what exactly happened with his contract. Yep. Um, and so he's just not going to address it. So anyway, he's here and that's, you know, we'll see what he can do in, in uh training camp, but Judd's team looks good, man. I know. On paper, it looks good on paper. I agree. And you look at the skill they have on offense. I think the offensive line is going to be better and the defense is going to be dramatically better because uh, they couldn't get much worse. Yeah, I think they. I think the expectation internally, at least from the Wolves, is going to be a division title and a playoff run this time. I agree. I if, agree. If you win a playoff game, if you win a playoff game and get smoked as bad as they did by San Francisco in the second round, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the head coach is safe. That's going to be a tough call. I I I, I don't know mm-hmm. what they would do there. I, I think if they just get to the playoffs and lose in the first game, I don't think that's going to be all that satisfying when you look at just this roster and the number of veterans and the number of high priced guys you have and how long, it's, how long they've been here, this, this regime. And so now if they win a game and get beat, you know, are they going to make a change in? I don't know. That, that one would be harder. I think that one would be harder to sell or justify. 
I think the I would not be surprised if their thought process and this would not be wrong because the conference is not great. I mean, the conference mm-hmm. is good. It's certainly not great. If their thought process is we need to have home field and and because if you do your advantage in that in that building with fans back, by the way, is going to become pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, the pro the problem is what, you know, you, you always, I mean, Chip, we've covered this team for how long? And in the end, they always, their best teams have ended up, uh, what, a step short of home field. If you can get yeah. the conference championship game in your building, I truly mm-hmm. believe that changes the dynamic because that place would be so loud. Yeah, and we've seen the effect. I mean, we've seen it on Aaron Rodgers when when that offense has struggled to hear and communicate and function like it like it does because of the noise in there. I mean, it's it's an absolute advantage to them. Um, it's one of the better home field, loudest home field advantages, you know. I would think in the league. Um, obviously, not the loudest, but it definitely it's up there. Yeah. Has it definitely has an effect? And I always go back. You know, and I would say the noise is probably similar to the Metrodome, right? Maybe I think they've yeah. measured it a little bit louder. But go back to that Dallas playoff game. Yes, in two thousand and nine, right? Romo I mean, was lost. It was unbelievable. You can't tell me that the noise didn't have a factor that day. <laughs> it was yes. unbelievable. So yeah, I think if if they can, I think we talked about this last week. If they can avoid that slow start and get off to a good start, to where they're not trying to climb out of a hole, mm-hmm. then I think that will be a big part of them, you know, winning a division and trying to get, you know, some home field games there um, so they can use that crowd to its advantage. Because it sounds like they're going to, by the time we get there, I think it's going to be capacity, right? I agree. Are you saying that now? Yes. Uh, full capacity, so. Yes. Um, imagine, where was it where it fell, oh, the, you know, just the the wild game home playoff game when they had what thirty five hundred or maybe five thousand, mm-hmm. and the one that they won. I mean, that thing sounded, sounded pretty loud. I can't imagine being back in a football stadium where it's full capacity again, and how just that what that's going to feel like again because you've kind of lost it. You know, you just haven't been so long since you've experienced it. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it feels now compared to you know, maybe the routineness of it. Up until the pandemic, now it's going to feel probably extra special to have that. Agree completely. And it, uh, to your point about a good start, too, Chip, I think that's where we, we get into the topic of Kirk Cousins because mm-hmm. the last two years, um, two years ago, I think it was the first four games he didn't play great. And then I want to say the Giants game was the fifth game and he turned it around. And I think he was the NFC Offensive Player of the Month. So um, he didn't have a good four games and then played great last year. Obviously, it went into the bye. Uh, through the first six games, and they were one and five at that point. That's the one thing this team cannot afford. They cannot, I mean, Kirk Cousins needs to play like Kirk Cousins can for, if not 17 games, let's say 15 games. You can't have that stretch to start the season where he's shaky and then gets comfortable. Kirk Cousins needs to be a, a dynamic quarterback from the get go because that's going to be incredibly important. And that's where, look, the offensive line might not be perfect. 
But the reality for all of the people who say the Vikings signed all these guys, you see Cousins contract didn't play a role. Chip, I keep talking about this. Actually, it did. You couldn't sign tier one free agents at a few positions because of Kirk's contract. And the first one is guard. I mean, the ideal thing right now would have been to go out and watch uh, the camp that they just completed. And Joe Thune's playing left guard and Cleveland's at right guard. That's not possible because of Kirk's contract. But you have, you know. You now have an offensive line built from draft picks that you've made, and the I don't believe the uh, the lowest draft pick of the probable starters because I don't think Dozier's going to be starting at right guard will be no. Wyatt Davis, who's a third round pick, right? So, yeah. so to me, this removes any discussion about well, Kirk had a bad start, but you know it's always a but. This one, yeah. there, this time, there's no but. This time, there is a you need to get off to a really good start. And and deal with the pressure that goes along with that, and in fact, it excelled with that pressure. Do you think? I mean, think about last year, where for some unknown reason they didn't play Justin, Justin Jefferson for two games. Basically, yeah. <laughs> obviously having him and the compliment that they have now. Now they do need a third receiver, but your top two are pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. And I like their tight ends, Joe. I think their tight ends can be a really effective weapon, in, you know, in that offense, too. I Agreed. mean, we saw them at the end of the year where they were a pretty significant part of it. So um, I think there's a comfort level with his skill guys um, and and having a legitimate, you know, one-two punch at wide receiver with some good wide receivers and then obviously Dalvin. So there's no reason that this, this offense – shouldn't be clicking from the start. There's no new, I mean, I know it's a new offense coordinator, but you might have new wrinkles versus an entire new system, right? Yes. Um, so there's a familiarity with it, familiarity with the, with the system, familiarity with the, with the talent. So there shouldn't be growing pains, you know, with this offense. I mean, they should be able to hit the ground running right away. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's, that starts with the quarterback. And I do think, you know, we can't have the narrative. The narrative of Spielman doesn't use draft capital on offensive line. That's over with. That's done. Now, did he pick the right guys and are they developed them? That, that's what we have to find out. But right. they've committed a lot of resources to the offensive line with, when you look at first round picks and high draft picks. So, um, but I do think, I agree with you. I, I think there's going to be starters um, because I feel like they're probably their best guys. I mean, you can't tell me that the, Dozier is one of your top five guys. No, and the fact that the fact that he and Rashad Hill are are with the first team, I think just has to be what a motivational tool for the two draft picks. I I, I think it's more you're just not going to say anoint a draft pick before (laughs) they even put on full pads. You know, you're going to have to anoint them at some point. Well, I think it'll happen in camp or or after preseason games or something. But I, I would have been surprised if if they came into the first mini camp and just said, "Here's our two starters. You're our starters. We're anointing you." I, you know, that just doesn't seem like the Zim way. Now, whether it's the right way or wrong way, or they're right. playing games or whatever, I, I think I, I think I'll be a little surprised if for the season opener, both those guys aren't starting. All right. As far as as this team goes, I want to talk about. Um, the Cousins Zoom call that he did a couple days ago. And mm-hmm. he, he was flat out asked, I think, by Chris Thomas in the Pioneer Press if he was vaccinated and he didn't answer the question. And I, I think the assumption is no. A day before that, Harrison Smith and Thielen both said that they're not. 
Eric Kendricks came out this week and said that he is. Um, so there's a lot of people, and this is awesome, this is fine, with views on this. Uh, some of it, a lot of it's to do with politics. Uh, yeah. Some is religious beliefs. Whatever, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But here's where I want this discussion to go with you, and I want your thoughts. Um, the league came out with its protocols this week for guys who were vaxxed and guys who weren't. And it's very clear that they want you to get vaxxed yeah. as soon as possible. And and there's guys out there who are saying no. I mean, there's it seems like there's lots of guys who are saying no. Um, but what happens if Kirk Cousins and Thielen get exposed to a person who has COVID and have to report it and he has to miss a game or they miss two games? I don't know. Last year, Thielen missed, did he miss one or two games? One game, yeah, one game. And I don't think he was sick. He was just exposed to it. But the point the point being is, my guess is deep down in his heart, Zim was not a fan of being no. of, of getting the vaccine. But he did it, one, because I think it's mandatory for coaches. But two, it's going to make his football life, which ultimately is the most important mm-hmm. thing in his life, Correct. easier. So forget your own beliefs. Just yeah. from a sports standpoint, this is going to blow up in somebody's face and it, and you don't want it to be the team that you're on. <laughs> it will cause, um, it will cause problem, problems in a locker room. If guys have to miss games because of this, mm-hmm. it will. I mean, it's just because guys will say, come on, just get the, I mean, we've all done it, but I, I agree with you that the NFL is basically creating peer pressure on these guys because when you look at what vaccinated guys versus non-vaccinated guys have to do i mean i just don't know how any player forget the you know your your personal opinion on it just talk about the football right correct it's like they're talking about you have to take a separate plane to road games and you can't go out to dinner and you can't be in the room in meeting rooms and you have to wear your mask you have to be tested daily just like they were you would think that at some point guys would get sick of doing that, having to do the COVID test every single day. Yeah, you can't leave during the bye week, Chip. No, you can't. I mean, Harrison right Smith there. is yeah. going to want to go to Cabo. Yeah, exactly. And so I, my guess is, Judd, once the player saw that, they're like, okay, I'm getting I'm getting the shot. I mean, because it's just – and you could tell by Zim's tone the other day, you know – He's not going to come out. You have to get this shot because I mean you just don't do that. You know it's it, it is an individual choice, but I think he's saying it's going to be a lot harder on you, like infinitely more harder on you than than it will be guys who who aren't vaccinated, and that's going to create a problem. <clears throat> you know, just for the functioning of a team. Like if Kirk Cousins cannot be in the quarterback meeting room, he has to do it virtually. That's just not as good. Or and I, I still want to see like. Were they going to fly a separate plane? Like, put on a I private plane? Couldn't that, tell. That but they have to wear masks constantly. And he, but, but, I mean, this to me comes down to one thing. If Kirk Cousins has to miss a game or two games during the course of the 2021 season, all hell is going to break loose. Because yes. your starter might be Jake Browning. Well, and, and that's the thing. It, it's, if it's an important player like that, knowing how – um, divisive and emotional this topic is with people, fans. Can you imagine the reaction in this town if Cousins didn't get the vaccine, test positive, and he has to miss two games? How, how about, to your point, forget the town, the locker room? The locker room, yeah. I Think mean, about you that. Guys that. He's are, your leader. Like and he's... That costs, Yeah, and that costs you a playoff spot, let's say. I mean, how, how would you ever... 
how, how would you make that up to your teams? Well, your teammates, you know, exactly. And, and chip, the thing is, and, and this is brutal to say, but it's true. And you've seen this as much or more than me and football. It's 1000% the case. These are not people. We, you know, there, there's not this deep care within the Vikings for, for families, right? Now, I'm not saying that they don't care, but their ultimate goal is to take, take their employees and win football games. And yeah. Kirk Cousins is making millions of dollars, okay? And they are counting on him to lead. And leading means doing what's best for the team, even if that flies in the face of your beliefs. And that's where I think that, that the topic lies. It's not his rights. He has every right to say no. But to go down the path that you're going down, which is the repercussions if something goes yeah. wrong, is so high. And, I mean, look, if Kirk Cousins or Thielen get this thing or get exposed and have to miss time now, unlike last year, I think the team is going to go flat out after the game checks. Well, I don't know that they could do that um, because, you know, they didn't break a, a rule. You know, it's not like they broke a rule by not getting it. I mean, you, again, it's, it's not mandatory. So any player, they you know, right. I, I just I think at the end of the day, Judd, you can't tell me that players last year did not get sick of being tested every oh, of course they did. day. Of course they did. And I, I think at the I think when players see what what the NFL their message is and their rules, I guarantee you they're going to say I do not want to go through that again. Absolutely. I don't want to be tested every day. I don't. I want to be with my teammates. I don't have to wear a mask anymore. Yep. I certainly don't want to. You know, have to fly. I don't have to stay here during the bye while all my friends go to a beach somewhere and get tested every day. I don't want to have to fly on a separate plane. I mean, if a player is willing to go through all that, you know, um, maybe you know, maybe there'll be some that are that that strong in their opinion, you know, beliefs about vaccines and not getting it. But I I think more than not that haven't been vaccinated are just going to look at the the things that they're going to have to do versus their teammates and just say, you know what, I'll get the shot. That's just my personal opinion. I wonder if you're right. I, I just don't know. I, I do think that there are definitely now going to be some guys. I think there are still going to be some who hold firm. And the reason why I think teams are going to go after game checks, the NFI chipper, non-football injury list. If you, yeah. get, if you get exposed to COVID you and you don't have the shot, you basically on your own time did this. And you had an opportunity to get around it and didn't. I'm just saying, and I don't know that it's going to be here, but this is yeah. going to get ugly somewhere. Oh. And Chip, we have seen teams put guys on the NFI, um, and we're like, they really did that. So yeah, I don't I put just, it past. The, I don't put anything past the people that work in football. That would be well. That would be a heck of a fight because I assume. Who would the players association come to the defense of there though? <laughs> I assume you'd have to come to the defense. And of the players players. and players are ripping the, the PA themselves. I, I saw Yeah, it's all Beasley. Yeah. Cole Beasley of Buffalo put out a tweet that basically and I mean these are the same guys who didn't who for the most part didn't rip their own uh players association when they went on a uh, or they got locked out or went on strike during the off season, the most ridiculous yeah. work stoppage of all time, and they're now mad about this. So I just think that this has the real potential uh, in in select cases to get really ugly. Yeah. Well, it will. I mean, like I said, if if you have a player that just absolutely refuses to get the shot and then has to miss games, 
um, I can just tell you that that's not going to go over well in the locker room, it's, and certainly not with fans. I mean, that will be yes. you know you, you might as well I don't want to say pack your bags in, but that's going to be a hard one to come back from um, with the fans and within your own locker room. Absolutely. What is your opinion on what's going on with Byron Buxton? I don't know what it. Should I get on my uh, do my Roycey rant here? Um, it was legendary. I, I got. I can't wait to hear. I don't. Judd, I honestly don't know. I mean, why on earth would you take him out there if you if he's not going to play? I mean, after after having his rehab stint in St. Paul, I just assumed, all right, you'll put him in the lineup. And and I know Phil Miller from our paper said that. They did one of his running drills before a game in, in Seattle, and he didn't look like he could open it up full speed. So did he have a setback? Is this injury worse than what they thought it was? Um, you know, he's saying he needs to be 100%. Well, you're not going to be 100%, Chud. I mean, <laughs> what – what? And, and if you're waiting on that, you may be waiting forever. <laughs> so I don't – I have no idea what in the heck's going on. I mean, but it's – the longer it, it – they go, now they're talking about sending him on another rehab assignment. Yes. So I, I don't know if he re-aggravated it in, when he was playing in St. Paul or it's just a lot worse than they than they originally thought is the only thing I can come up with. But then why would you send him to Seattle? Like, like the whole thing, I don't know. it doesn't make sense. If they Look, if he had had a setback and they didn't have him travel, I'd be like, okay, you know, it's Buxton, not shocking. But mm-hmm. you took him to the West Coast with you. Yeah. And and um, I mean, hell, that how many guys have you seen who are as close as he appeared to be after going on a rehab stint, um, yeah. travel with a team and then not play, and then they're like, it's not going well, and he's got to be, and yeah, they keep. This is the worst I've seen the Twins handle something since Mauer. Mauer, because yeah. they're leaving all of these questions that exist, and like Rocco, to to what you're saying, uh, is being told to say that, that he's not going to play till he's. One hundred percent. Well, the problem with that is the first time he plays a game, he's going to be down to ninety-two percent. So, exactly. so I guess it would just help them, you know, to be more forthright. And if they took him on the road and shouldn't have, just say we screwed that up, we shouldn't have done that. They'll be criticized for it. But this just this makes it mysterious. And the one thing you can't discount is what role is Buxton playing here? Well, and we don't know that. And that's the thing. I mean, they're going out of their way to either say it publicly or, or float it to the big guys that. Byron really wants to play. I mean, this is, you know, he's inching to play, and he keeps coming in trying to beg to play. So it's almost like they're trying to take him off the hot seat here and put it all on them. But, um, but I, and, you know, they said he was frustrated after he ran the other day. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, you know, they're always sort of uh, cloudy when they come to – talking about injuries and you don't really know what's going on, but this one is so um, convoluted and like you said, mysterious that it's, it makes your antennas go up. To exactly. Something else is going on, you know? Yes. And, and, and I don't know if it's anything, you know, I know some people are saying, well, maybe they're trying to keep him out to hurt his negotiations for contract. I, I don't think it would be that, but I don't just, buy that. I don't, I don't buy that. I don't think he, you know, no. that, that they just wouldn't do that. But, but, it, it well with his contract. I wrote earlier in the year that they have to pay him. I I, I take that back. 
<laughs> Do a new column, Chipper. Write a new column. I take that one back. I mean, I, at this point, I don't know how you could give him a monster contract. I, I just don't, Judd. I mean, he, he's he's going to play half the time, if that, this year. Yes. You know? So I, I I honestly don't know what you do with his contract at this point, to be honest. Have you ever, in your uh, career covering teams, in, in this town especially, have you ever turned as much in your beliefs about how good a, a front office and manager is from year to year because you know you know Childress went downhill in 2010 but but I had seen enough behind the scenes on that one to not be completely shocked it was very surprising but I wasn't completely shocked but I mean 2018 or I'm sorry 2019 and 20 got done and I was like Rocco is really good this is you know aside from the playoff moves which I didn't like this has been impressive and you know Falvey Levine doing great jobs um, I now have more question marks about what they're yeah. doing. Rocco to me has had a terrible year and I'm mm-hmm. sure, I, I'm sure it's not all his fault, but my, my point is I don't think I've ever done a 180 on, on a front office and manager or coach like I have with this collection from 2020 to 21. No. And I mean, he was manager of the year. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think Rocco's had a really tough year. Um, some of the moves just uh, completely baffle me. And it, it goes back to when he lost track of the mound visits early in the year. I mean, um, I think I was looked up this the other day, Jeb, and this was, I think it's gotten even worse, but so a year ago, Twins pitching staff, number four, Major League Baseball ERA, fourth best ERA. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I looked, it was, this was last week, I think it was, they had the fourth worst. ERA in baseball, and I think it's even lower now. It might be worse, but um, I thought these guys were the pitching, pitching geniuses, right? Where, they were. We're we're waiting to see it. We're, I mean, we're, what's going on here? I mean, they, they got one of the worst pitching staffs in baseball, and you know, I know Duran. People are high on him and everything, but well, you know, he, he hasn't proved anything here yet. So, um, the bullpen is a disaster. They thought they could just remake that on the fly and be good there that that was a total disaster yep you know yeah i mean now the donaldson thing you know and, and it's minor I mean, rocco told us it's minor he could play tonight that i love that one yeah when's the um, when's the last time that they were forthcoming about a guy who was hurt i know well so judd do you think Salvi and levine are going to be honest with themselves and sell off or do you, do you think they're going to totally view this as, oh, we had all these injuries and things conspired and it wasn't really as, you know, as much about the players as it was just all the injuries and all. I mean, if they do that, they're they're naive beyond naive, you know. They better they sell. Need to, they need to sell as many of these, you know. Cruz has been a great teammate, a great ambassador for a team, but I would find him a team. Yep. Um, you know. Simmons? I know Simmons for sure. On your contract? Um, as many guys as I could, I, I wouldn't do Buxton, or I mean, I'm sorry, I wouldn't do uh, um, Barrios mm-hmm. because you got to have somebody who can pitch, you know. Yep. Um, and I would be willing to give him a big contract, but anyone else, I would just look to unload. I could be honest and start over, you know, except for the, the young guys, Kirilov and Orange. And right. Obviously not those, but but any veterans, you know, that you could get a prospect for, do it. You know? Well. It's got to be a slam dunk that they're going to trade Cruz and Simmons and Robles. Um, 
They'd, they'd love to trade column A. They can't. Uh, mm-hmm. Same with the shoe. Same with Hap. Uh, but I think the next question is, too, is are, are you going to be honest with yourself about the decisions that you have to make? For instance, Alex Kirloff needs to be your opening day first baseman in 2022 if there yeah. is a 2022 and not a work stoppage. So are you going to be honest with yourself about Sano? Because you keep playing him right now, and my God, I mean, he's hitting, what, 175 or something like yeah. that? It's embarrassing. It's watchable, Judd. He's like, yeah, no. But but that's that's where I think, because I do think the Cruz trade and the Simmons trade and the veterans on the last year of their contracts, that's an obvious. And but by, by the way, you're not going to get the return the fans think, but that's fine. No. Um, yeah. But then there's that next group of Sano. you got to make a decision there. And I do think I'm with you on Brios. But you better have approached him by now to privately say, what's it going to take? Let's talk about it. Um, because the last thing that you want is for him, in, you know, if 2022 is played, to walk away as well. So you need to have a very good idea of what the price of poker is going to be. And you probably, to what you're saying, and I agree with this, need to pay that. Like, well, he's the only guy you got right now. I We've heard over the last couple of years that they've tried, right, with him and just has It's team friendly, though. They keep lowballing yeah. him, and he's not going to take it. He's going to want to be he's paid like an ace. No, he's going to want to be. And, and the thing is, Judd, there's going to come a point where his agent's going to say, you know, we'll just wait till he becomes unrestricted. Well, we'll hell just, yeah. We'll, we'll just play it out. I mean, at some point, you don't take a team friendly deal where you're one year from being an unrestricted free agent and to get a lot more. So I would say they're. I don't know when that point is, but they're right up against it, I would think, right? Because his agent is going to say, well, we'll just wait till free agency and see what kind of offers you get. And you don't want to be in that situation. So mm-hmm. um, they're going to have to pay him like an ace. And at this point, looking around at that staff, I'd say do it because you don't have a whole lot of other options. Yeah. No, I think you're right. It's just I've never, because of all the things we're talking about right here, I have never turned so hard in such a quick fashion on on a management team that I thought was really good, and now I'm like, what are you doing exactly? I mean, this was a disaster, and you're not improving it. And the Buxton thing is weird. It's just flat out weird. There, there's. I think we're going to find out at some point in time that there's a piece to this puzzle that we didn't know because it just yeah. feels like that. So, so it's just. It's not just a tough year. It's an eye opening year from the fact that people that I thought were wired to do the right thing are really struggling, including. Uh, Rocco to do the right thing. Yeah, and it's funny how we, we felt like he had just the right perfect touch for that 2019 roster with veterans and rest and recovery. But now, it, it, you know, so much of this team feels analytics-driven, the way they handle the pitching staff, the way they handle players, the way they, you know, the injury situation, you know, just um, the trust that they put in certain players that probably don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just everything about it has felt wrong this year. You know, I mean, it just feels like no matter what they do, it's the wrong move. Um, and when you have a, when you have a, really say there's nothing better in, than unexpected success in, in sports, unexpected uh, failure, uh, probably creates as much frustration and anger as anything you'll have because, when you have a team that had expectations that this team had and the play and performance way and through the moves that they're making, um, they're, this is not a quick fix either, Judd. I mean, this is not one of those things where like, ah, oh, you know, it's a bad year, we'll bounce back next year. 
Like, who, who's buying that at this point? When yeah, you look at, yeah. The, who, I mean, this yes. could be a prolonged stretch of dark ages. I mean, it could be bad, you know. I mean, you look at the lack of pitching and um, guys that just had down years last year that haven't bounced back and become, you know, I, I know Patrick says this, that when a guy has a good year, we, we tend to think that that's, you know, the, the, the standard, but it's not, and we're seeing that with guys. And so this just, it's hard to be, find any reason for optimism. I mean, I, 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 I can't find any with this team. Can you? I mean, not right now. No, none. Zero. No, it's incredible. They've they've absolutely and and I feel like fans have pivoted from being ticked off to just checking out. Well, that's what's going to happen. I mean, I can't even imagine what their attendance is going to be. I mean, you finally can get fans yeah. back in the stands, and, and between that and 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 people how they feel about downtown Minneapolis right now, um, good luck selling tickets. I mean, I just it's the attendance is going to be woeful. I think. Absolutely. All right, sir. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you next week, Chipper, okay? Hey, brother. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye.